Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 32 in the series, Contending for the Faith. This is the morning service of Sunday the 10th of January 2010, entitled, The Truth About Satan, Part 2. And the Bible reading is taken from Ezekiel, chapter 28, verses 1 to 19. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. We take our reading this morning from Ezekiel, chapter 28, verses 1 through 19 as I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's holy and precious word. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 1. The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto the prince of Tyrus, Thus saith the Lord God, Because thine heart is lifted up, and thou hast said, I am a God. I sit in the seat of God. In the midst of the seas, yet thou art a man and not God, though thou set thine heart as the heart of God. Behold, thou art wiser than Daniel. There is no secret that they can hide from thee. With thy wisdom and with thine understanding, thou hast gotten thee riches and hast gotten gold and silver into thy treasures." By thy great wisdom and by thy traffic hast thou increased thy riches, and thine heart is lifted up because of thy riches. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, because thou hast set thine heart as the heart of God, behold, therefore I will bring strangers upon thee, the terrible of the nations, they shall draw their swords against the beauty of thy wisdom and they shall defile thy brightness. They shall bring thee down to the pit. Thou shalt die the deaths of them that are slain in the midst of the seas. Wilt thou yet say before him that slayeth thee, I am God? Thou shalt be a man and no God in the hand of him that slayeth thee. Thou shalt die the deaths of the uncircumcised by the hand of strangers. For I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, topaz, and the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, and the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold. The workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have yet set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, 
from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror, and never shalt thou be anymore. Father, we thank you so much for this time that you have given us together this morning. And Father, now as we look into your word, we recognize and realize, Lord, our great need. Father, we first of all, we need to know that it is you that is speaking to our hearts this morning through the power of your Holy Spirit. And Father, we are all in need, Lord, of thy word, finding a resting place in our hearts. Father, that it might accomplish that which you send it forth to do. Father, you know each and every individual, each and every need, each and every heart here this morning. And Father, we commit those into your hands. Pray that you would do the work that only you can, that each heart here would be receptive, whatever their need may be. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. As we continue in our series on contending for the faith, And of course, as we are now looking at the fundamentals of that faith that we are to contend for, I think on our 32nd sermon in this series this morning, we began a few weeks back with part one of this sermon today, the truth about Satan. Of course, as we look there in the introduction to that message, we found that it's quite astounding the number of people that really do not see the devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever name that you want to to hang upon him, that they really don't see him as a real person, that he's just some force to reckon with, some evil influence. And what is most shocking about that is the number of those that believe that that are quote-unquote Christians find that no one will ever be able to be victorious against an enemy that they don't know. We need to know who our enemy is. And I'm saying that we look that it is a fundamental of our faith that we recognize just as surely as we've seen in the Word of God, just as sure as Jesus Christ himself is a person and not a force, just as surely as God in his triunity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is a person, not just some powerful force out there in the universe that no one understands. There is just as surely this person called Satan. Of course, we said that we must be careful too. 
because people can get that the devil made me do it syndrome. Blame it all on him because he's the bad guy. We said the fact is that we must realize that it's not the devil that made us do anything. Oh, he's a great tempter and he's a great deceiver and we'll look at some of those things, but the truth is we make the choice ourselves whether or not to sin every time that we do. We must know and understand our enemy. Recognize him for who he is. We need not as God's children fear him. We don't have to be afraid of him because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. We have everything that we need to fight our enemy. But I say to you once again this morning, you need to recognize and to know that the only protection that we have against this one called Satan is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that's our covering. That's our protection. He was defeated when Jesus Christ shed his blood, when he died upon the cross, when he rose again the third day. Satan was done for. We find that we'll look again and recognize in Scripture that he is a person that the Bible says very clearly. Spiritually, there's only two choices. Either God is our Father or Satan is our Father. There's nowhere else to go. There's no other two. There's only those two. There's no other side out there that you can be upon. Now, I want to begin this morning with those things in mind. I want to just ask a couple of questions. Who is he? Where did he come from? How does he function? What is he like? What is his character? You see, it's the Word of God that will give us these things and reveal these things unto us. We don't need man's ideas. We certainly don't need man's myths. We need the Word of God on the subject. We said that as we look, that we're going to look at his person, his position, his power, his purpose, his providence, of course, our protection. As we look this morning at his person, we've read this passage here in Ezekiel chapter 28, which in itself can be a controversial passage. People see it in different lights. As we look here this morning, I want us to notice just a couple of things. I want us to recognize and know with absolutely certain today we leave this place that Satan is a person, not just a force, not just some evil influence. We find that as we look here in our reading this morning, we find that the Bible is very clear. We find there both in verse 13 that in speaking there, the last three words of that verse, that verse says, Thou wast created. And we find also that as we look down into verse 15, Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created. 
till iniquity was found in thee. I want you to realize, first of all, that Satan is and was created as a person. That shouldn't be hard for us to grasp when we know that these passages that we read all the time back in the Gospel of John chapter 1, we find that the Bible is very, very, very clear here when it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. Verse 3 says, all things, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Everything, if it was made, It was made by the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing has been created that was was created without Him. Notice in Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, For by Him, again speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by Him and for Him. And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. Satan was created as a person. Everything that was created, everything that exists came into being because God brought it into being. And the reality is the only reason that Satan is still in existence today is because God allows it. He brought him there. And we find that Satan, just as surely as everything else in the universe, the Bible tells us, was created by our God. And I want you to notice something else here in our passage. Not only does the Bible teach us that he was created, but did you notice what it said there in in verse 15? Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created till iniquity was found in thee. He was not only created as a perfect person. Satan was created in perfection. God created him perfectly when he created him. He was created beautifully, the Bible says, just as everything else in the Garden of Eden was. When God looked upon it, he said that it was good. And it was until sin made its mark. As a matter of fact, God couldn't create imperfection if he wanted to. There is no imperfection in God. He created Satan in perfection. And we've got to be careful as we look into Ezekiel chapter 28, but most Bible scholars will agree that Ezekiel 28 fills in some of those gaps for us in that while speaking 
prophetically of the future, it fills in some of the questions of the past also. Now, I would just simply warn you this, and I've spoken to different ones that have different ideas on this passage of Scripture. I would just say, don't get so hung up on trying to figure out what he doesn't tell us. You know, exactly where it fits in and the timing. And If God had thought that we had to know that, and I'll tell you, there's some good arguments on both sides and all of this, but almost any, everyone will agree. Wherever they think that it fits into to God's time scale, that what we are reading about here can teach us much about this one called Satan. Now, in verses 1 through 10 that we read there, according to the great Jewish historian Josephus, he says that the king of Tyre here, in the literal sense, was the one in history called Etiobalus. If I didn't pronounce it right, that's okay. It's a foreign language to me. <laughs> but if that be the case, we can see that historically these verses 1 through 10 were fulfilled when Tyre the place was seized by Nebuchadnezzar. However, it's not uncommon with prophecy and Scripture, just as we see with the seven churches in Revelation, and as we can look at many other places in Scripture, it's not uncommon for the words to be applicable both in the immediate sense as well as in a future sense. It's not uncommon to be relevant in speaking literally of one person or place while simultaneously speaking symbolically of another. Now, I've already said we've got to be careful in these areas. These first ten verses could be applied to the physical king of Tyre while at the same time be speaking to us and showing us some things symbolically because as we move forward from verse 11 through verse 19, it begins to seem and become pretty clear that God's not referring here to someone who is merely a man. Matter of fact, he makes it very, very clear that this one, though it is a being, a person, it is not merely a man. As we read these verses, many would agree that these coincide with other prophecy in Scripture that give us a pretty clear, detailed picture of that one which we call the Antichrist. I would certainly agree that that is a very plausible interpretation and one that is probably on the mark. But we've already established, if we take that just a step further, is not the Antichrist, after all, a physical incarnation of Satan himself? Could these verses not be speaking of what will be true of the Antichrist and of Satan, if at the core they are the same person? If the Antichrist is an incarnation of Satan himself, wouldn't this then also be a vision of Satan fulfilling himself through the Antichrist? 
That being the case, we see some of the questions answered for us in this biblical account, giving us insight into both the beginning and the fall of this one called Satan. You see, summing up, we're told a number of things about him in these passages here. You see, remember, he was created as a person, as a being. And he was created in perfection by God himself. He told us in verse 12 there that this one was full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. We find in verse 15 that this one was present in the Garden of Eden. Well, I don't know how many times you've gone back and read the passages about the Garden of Eden before Adam and Eve were kicked out. There weren't too many people roaming around in the garden. I mean, you had Adam and you had Eve and you had God walking with them and you had this one called Satan. This one here was in the Garden of Eden. The Bible says, beautifully clothed and equipped when he was created. Verse 14 tells us a number of things. First of all, he tells us that he was an anointed cherub that covereth. Now that word anointed means that he was simply chosen and set apart by God himself. A cherub. What was a cherub? That was a position of high rank. Matter of fact, from what we can gather, possibly the highest, if not one of the highest, the highest ranking in the angelic realm that we know of. Anointed cherub. This one that at the very least had a high ranking in the angelic realm that had been chosen and set apart by God. A cherub that covereth. What is he talking about there? Well, I can only tell you that you've got many, many references in Scripture, both symbolically when you go right back to when God first gave them the prescription for putting together the tabernacle to the temple itself. What was it that covered the mercy seat? We tend to say cherubs. It's actually one cherub or cherubim is the plural of it. And you'll find both of those words in your Bible. We find that, is that what he's speaking of here? <laughs> a cherub that covereth? Well, that's the one thing we know of in Scripture, <laughs> that the cherub was giving the responsibility of covering, of protecting, was the mercy seat itself. This is that person, that person that we call Satan. He also tells us in verse 14 that he was upon the holy mountain of God. He goes on saying, walking up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. This one that was chosen and set apart, that had first been created by God, that had this high position in the angelic realm, that was there in the very presence of God himself. Again, in verse 15, he told us that he was perfect when he was created. He was perfect until iniquity entered in. Verse 17 tells us that that iniquity that got the best of him, that sin 
that brought him down with that simple thing called pride. Pride. What he began to think of himself and who he was and what he was capable of and this, this elevated position that he held. And yet he wanted God's position himself and he felt that he was good enough to have it. We find that the Bible also tells us, though, in this same passage about this one, that he's judged and condemned already. Verse 16, by the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. You see, the truth is, he's been judged and condemned already, first of all, in heaven himself, when he was kicked out of heaven, out of the presence of God. That's a judgment that's already taken place upon him. He was judged in the Garden of Eden when he was made to, to crawl upon his belly find that the Bible teaches us he'll be judged again, not only in heaven and in the garden, but in the earth at Christ's return. And he'll be judged in eternity. He goes on to tell us in verse 17, thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled the sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All they that know thee among the people shall be astonished at thee. Thou shalt be a terror and never shalt thou be any more. Oh, yes. Satan was created not as just some dark, evil force, but as a person, perfectly, as an angelic being. He was created in perfection. By God himself, he was placed into a position of high rank among those angelic beings. But then iniquity entered in. From that point, this person, this angelic being, was corrupt in performance. You see, he was created as a person, created in perfection, but he was and is corrupt in his performance. We see him functioning as a person, not as just some dark force. We see him functioning as a person before iniquity, before sin entered in, and we see those functions being corrupted 
by the entrance of that iniquity. You see, we find that if we look back into Genesis chapter 3, and I'll, I won't read that account this morning. Because I doubt that there's anyone here that is not familiar with the story. But the Bible taught us something very interesting about him there, about his function, about his performance, about the way that he came to Eve, and that was that he was the most subtle. He was the most subtle. We know that he still today. He comes to people suddenly. He doesn't show himself as some ogre, as some awful thing with his horn sticking out and his pitchfork in hand. He normally comes subtly, quietly, beautifully. We find that not only do we see him as the most subtle, but corrupt in his performance, we see him as the one that has access to both God and man. Again, we could look back, and it is a, a story that is worth reading as we look at Job. And again, it's, it's, it's an account that you're familiar with, and so I won't take you back and, and read all of those verses, but in Job chapter 1, verses 6 to 12, and in chapter 2, verses 1 to 13, we find this account given to us. We find that Satan himself, as a person, goes before God. And he goes because, you know, he wants to show him that this one Job, you think he's so mighty and so good and, you know, so much better than anybody else? Let me have him for a little while, and we'll show you just how faithful that he is. The truth is, God gave him access to Job, but only as far as God would allow him to go. You see, Satan, he had access to God. He, he had a conversation with God about it. God said, this is the line. You can, you can go and you can try. You know, many times we say, why? You know, sometimes we figure out the whys and sometimes we don't. We don't even begin to understand. We think we've got it so bad a lot of times. We could even just begin to grasp what Satan did to this man. Everything that he lost, where he ended up, and the kind of advice that his friends was giving him. <laughs> the truth is, aren't you glad that his access to man is only as God allows it. You see, we look in the Gospel of Luke, and in chapter 22, we find that access was given to one. Now, you know, Peter was pretty close to the Lord. I mean, he was one of the apostles himself. Notice it says in in Luke chapter 22, again, you're familiar with these verses. Verse 31 says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to 
have you that he may sift you as wheat? Peter, Satan wants you. <laughs> he wants to sift you. I can remember doing that as a little boy with, with my mom's flour, you know what I mean, to, to get all the lumps out of it. <laughs> but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. And he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. See, Peter was confident. They could lock him away. They could take his life. He was confident that he would stand for the Lord. The Lord said, uh, Peter, before the cock crows, before the sun rises in the morning, you can deny that you even know me. Not once, but three times. You see, access was given to Peter, but it was only temporary. The Bible tells us here that it was used to strengthen the brethren. <laughs> Not just then. But how many times, how many people's lives have been touched and changed through the years recognizing that Peter, yes, he stumbled and yes, he fell. Yes, he had too much confidence in his flesh, not in the Lord, not recognizing that the enemy was right there, even though Jesus told him, Satan's here, that one, your enemy. He's wanting to sift you, Peter. The truth is, Peter didn't take heed. He fell. Oh, but we see then. We see that one forgiven. We see him used mightily of God. You see, Satan not only wants to trip you up, but then he wants to keep you down there wallowing in it after you've messed up. <laughs> he doesn't want you. He doesn't want you to get it behind you. He wants to keep it in the present right now. But when we look at Peter, we realize it can be put behind us as we looked at last week. We need to be pressing towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus. God willing, tonight we'll be looking at that high calling that we have in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to realize that Satan, he was created as a person. He was created in perfection. But after iniquity, he was corrupt in his performance as the most subtle, as one that has access to both God and man. I want to give you this testimony of Peter himself. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, Peter later wrote these words. He said, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him because he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, 
knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Peter had been through the fire, but he had come through on the other side. Corrupt in his performance as the most subtle, as the one with access to both God and man, as the great accuser of the brethren. In Revelation chapter 12, in verse 10, the Word of God says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren is cast down. What did he say in Ezekiel he was going to do to him? Is cast down which accused them before our God day and night. In the present then he's cast down because all this time in the past, he's been accusing you and I, the brethren, before God, day and night, the Bible says. He's using that access to God to accuse you. We find also in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, we could look at many passages in Scripture. We need to recognize he's corrupt in his performance as the great tempter. You think he won't come and tempt you? Why, he even tried to tempt the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If he thought Jesus, and he knew who he was, if he thought he had a chance to get through to him, you think he might think he's got a chance at you? Again, we find that I'm not going to read the, the, the whole account there in verses 1 through 13 because you're familiar with it. They're on the mountaintop. He went to Jesus three times. Three times. This was at a spiritual high. This was after Jesus had been fasting in the desert, praying close to God, his Father. The devil comes to tempt him. He tries to tempt him, you know, in ways that he thinks that he can get to through him, through to him. He hadn't eaten in 40 days, you know. He's hungry. He uses that. He knows the position, the power that this one has. He uses that by trying to work upon his pride. We find that Satan is a person that is corrupt in his performance. He's not only accusing you before God, but he'll be right there in your face trying to tempt you into the iniquity and the sin. I think it's important that we read this one in the Gospel of John chapter 8, the gospel of John chapter 8, notice beginning in verse 42, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father, ye would love me, for I proceed forth and came from God Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. 
ye are of your father, the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. There's a lot that could be said about this passage. But we need to recognize, first of all, that this one that's corrupt in his performance, he is the father of all sinners. He is the father of all sinners. He is a murderer. He is a liar. And yet man in his flesh will believe the lie of devil before he'll believe the truth of God's word. And we need to recognize, folks, he's going to be there and he's going to be putting the lies before us. He's going to be trying to get us to believe what is not the truth. But we need to know who he is and recognize him for the person that he is. Be ready for him. He, the most subtle, the one that has access to both God and man, the great accuser, the great tempter, the father of sinners, the originator of sin itself. John also wrote when he wrote in 1 John chapter 3, he said this in verses 8 to 10, he that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Is this the children of God? In this, the children of God are manifest and the children of the devil. Whoso doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. The Bible says our lives are going to show which family we really belong to. It's the devil that sinneth from the beginning. It originated with him. And all those that follow him in his sin are his children. Their lives will show which family that we really belong to. We could look at many other places in Scripture that allow us to see Satan functioning as a person and corrupt in all of his performances. What we want to see and understand clearly is, folks, he is far more than merely some evil influence or dark power in this world and this is fundamental to the faith that we hold dear. He is a definite 
and a real person. He was created by God, not as merely a force, but as a person, a living being, an angelic being. He was created perfect as that angelic being with a higher-ranking position in heaven. But iniquity, sin, in the form of that little thing called pride, caused him to fall from that position and to continue to this day to be a real, evil, malignant, person that is corrupt in all of his performances. Oh, he will be subtle. He will try to, to deceive you. He is a great deceiver. We can look at many things that he is, but at the heart of it all is nothing good. It's impossible for him to do good. He pretends to do good. He pretends to be doing things for you. But we need to recognize our enemy to know who he is and where he came from. God willing, as we leave it there today, I just want to ask you this very, very simple question. There's only two families. There's only two bloodlines this morning. Which family do you belong to? Is it God in heaven that is your father or the prince of this world, Satan himself? Do you know with absolute certainty Satan is a real person? And you best believe as we look further on, he is certainly your enemy. But you need not fear today if you have the blood of Christ applied to your life. We're not giving you these things to fear. We're giving you these things that we might contend for the faith, that we might recognize him for who he is, that we call him who he is and what he is. We find that the old songwriter said, there is victory in Jesus, praise God. The victory is ours. He is judged and condemned already. But without Christ, you're helpless. You're hopeless. Without Christ, you won't even want to do anything about it today. Christians, we need to stand up to him for what he is and who he is in the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to recognize that he's going to be there and he's going to be real in our lives, but we'll see later how to like that and how to protect ourselves from that today. We're going to sing for our closing hymn here day by day and with each passing moment. Day by day in your life, are you having to carry on with these battles in your own strength? Are you having to contend with this one on your own ground? The songwriter says, Strength I find to meet my trials here, trusting in my Father's wise bestowment. 
I've no cause for worry or for fear. Today, the invitation is there, clear and simple. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we'd love to take God's Word and show you how you can be a Christian today. We'd love to be able to take and show you how that you need to recognize your place as a sinner. That you need to be willing to turn to, to God, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to repent, to turn away from your sins, and to trust the finished work of Calvary to save you today. And Christians, we need not fear, but we need to put our trust and faith in the right place. We need to get our strength from the right place. Our enemy is defeated already in him. We've already, we sang that great hymn earlier, Christ liveth in me. Is the Lord present in you today? Mm -hmm. 